Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. All right, so we are going into our healing plants feature. And uh, today we're speaking to Professor Nokwanda Nox Makunga, who is a professor of biotechnology at Stellenbosch University. And what does that mean? What does she do? So her work looks at identifying the molecular and genetic regulation of the secondary metabolic metabolic metabolism in medicinal plants. So in simple terms, she's going to explain that to us. She joins us now on the line. A very good afternoon. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us, Prof. Hi, it's lovely to be part of the show. So Thank you. all ordinary people could hear is that you try and assist with regulation of something. Tell us what the something is. Um, I actually have a very simple job. <laughs> yes. um, I, I study how um, plants make interesting chemicals or biochemicals which we then exploit for health purposes. Mm. So my work looks at medicinal plants Mm -hmm. and how do we find strategies to grow these plants Mm -hmm. and also um, the potential of medicinal plants in South Africa um, in terms of the um, pharmacological activity. I do a little bit of that as well. So that that's, I mean, it's quite broad. It sounds simple, as you said, but it's quite broad because part of that one would imagine is also just being careful around biodiversity, being careful about how much we exploit these plants so that there is a bit of a balance, how much we extract from the land and how we bring back what we've taken away from the land, so to speak, um, while we develop the sector of medicine at the same time. Am I making sense? Yes, and even what we might be taking away from people as well, because Mm. often um, the knowledge that is passed on from one generation to another Mm -hmm. in terms of medicinal plants is actually associated with individuals and, um, you know, maybe sometimes uh, communities, um, and that is traditional knowledge. So we also have to also balance that particular act that those that hold the knowledge are also um, acknowledged. How? How how do we acknowledge those sitting with with that knowledge? It's a very difficult space um, that one has to navigate through very, very carefully. Mm. Um, In South Africa, there are actually laws that govern, um, you know, the uh, bioprospecting activities, and um, and they've been around since 2004. Um, if you acquire knowledge mm. for, from somebody that actually has indigenous knowledge, mm-hmm. and that indigenous knowledge ultimately leads to some commercialized product, mm-hmm. um, you have to actually share benefits um, with the original indigenous knowledge holder. So, you know, in a short summary, yeah. that's basically what the law says. Um, so let's give an example of Umtlonyan, which, which now we know uh, a lot of South Africans looked to during COVID-19. We know that it was, you know, the talk of the town. It, mm-hmm. It's an indigenous plant that I believe kind of, and, and that knowledge system is more a people knowledge system rather than one individual, yeah, right? So how do you compensate if we say royal by way of royalty, how do you compensate 
a people whose knowledge has been sitting with us for centuries, which has now become quite spoken of in light of what we've been seeing during COVID-19? Um, well, with regards to Artemisia, I think it gets quite tricky mm. because, you know, the first, you know, um, rumors about it being used in this particular way, mm. you know, with the news headlines that were coming from Madagascar, etc. Um, so it, it does get a little bit tricky because this is a common treatment mm. for, like, I'm going to put this in inverted commas now, like flu-like conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I'm saying COVID-19 is anything like a flu because it's a very complicated uh, disease that we know very little of. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so it it does, you know, it does become hard when you are trying to negotiate in terms of community knowledge. Mm. If people are not... The community itself is actually not necessarily organized into a unit. Um, So often what happens is when one is negotiating these uh, benefit-sharing agreements, you may, um, you know, it might be a community of traditional um, herbalists or healers who have collected themselves into a say, an organized, some kind of organized unit where you know then um, that, you know, this community of people needs to actually have the benefits. The Department of Environmental Affairs also manages this process um, quite carefully and uh, with um, some authenticity and sincerity um, where they will um, assist researchers in in and in, in interacting with respective communities um, that where the, these benefits can be shared, so um, it, it's quite there are some regulations, and like I said, the DEA um, they have a new name now. I think. Mm, yes. Um, yes, yes, but they um, somehow control this process as well. I would love an example. Of where that happens. I mean, it, it's, it sounds very complicated to me and, and it, it would make people um, very interested if they knew that whatever indigenous knowledge systems that they've had over the years and they've passed on orally within their communities can finally be um, recognized, can also finally be acknowledged in, in a formal way where people eventually get some sort of compensation or recognition. So, I mean, I'm quite curious. Are there examples where this has actually materialized? Um, yes. I mean, I think one of the sort of classical examples is, I'm going to give two here now, um, is somehow, um, you know, linked to Hudia. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you know about yes. the Hudia story and and um, and it being a you know, slimming agent. Slimming, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, there was an uproar at that particular time and... Um, and, and this, in some ways, actually propelled this very act that I was actually talking about, mm-hmm. this um, it's part of the Biodiversity Act, um, so that, you know, the flow of funds can actually happen, and sometimes it's not even funds, it might be whatever 
the decision has been taken between the two parties mm. in terms of the beneficiation. Hmm. Um, so, so, so that's one example. Um, I think um, another example is actually linked to um, a species known as Pelargonium sedoides, mm-hmm. and um, and that species is used. Um, in South Africa and in other parts of the world to generate products that are um, for respiratory ailments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that extract, um, um, again, um, shows quite a few benefit-sharing agreements amongst producers of the Pelagonium sedoides extract um, as well as communities where these plants are actually found. Um, and so I think those two examples, um, you know, the hoodie example I used just to highlight what can happen if these things are not put in place. Um, it can lead to, you know, un- unhappiness mm. on, on both parties. But then on the other hand, you know, since this biodiversity, biodiversity act is in, in place, you find that these benefit-sharing agreements are are being struck, and you know collaborations then are actually also taking place between um, you know indigenous knowledge holders or communities where a certain level of indigenous knowledge might be held about a particular species if it goes into commercialization. This is fascinating. But it's not easy, and yeah. it is it is <laughs> tricky, and it does take time. Uh, my and next, it requires all kinds of people yeah, to get involved. Yeah, and uh, my my next question to you, and I'll I'll give you a break to think about it, is whether this is retrospective. Uh, listen, call in zero eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Um, if you have any questions, this is a fascinating conversation. We'll be back with more after this. Across South Africa, online and on radio, SAFM. Let's talk. Well, thank you so much for staying with us. We're discussing plants, um, and we've gone a bit uh, sophisticated on you today. And we're discussing um, biotechnology and, and all sorts of other things, regulations around all of that. And so if you have any questions, please start dialing in on 891 My guest is Professor Nokwanda Nox Makunga, who is a professor of biotechnology at Stellenbosch University. We kind of went off at a tangent a little bit talking about how people can access benefits or at least be recognized for some of indigenous knowledges that they've had for for centuries or for years if they go on to benefit people commercially and and they they are commercialized so that's that's been where we've been um prof let's talk about how we can ourselves start being a part of this economy and start being a part of the solution where you sometimes find that we've taken more out of the earth and have not really gone back to rehabilitate it um, and, and have lost some species in the process. Um, well, that, that's a very important uh, uh, question, especially in the context of conservation. We need to find the right balance between exploiting plants for all kinds of different um, purposes you know, plants provide us with food, they provide us with medicines, they provide us even with shelter and for crafts and all kinds of things. Um, 
So we, we really do need to, to find and strike a balance. And, um, and often it becomes important to understand what is likely to be at risk of extinction and then to develop ways in which to um, cultivate these plants that might be at risk as a way to save them. And um, in some instances, it becomes even important to go and restore um, and, you know, and enter into a restoration project where you re, uh, reintroduce the plants in the wild. Mm. Um, but often one has to develop ways of um, protecting that germplasm and that biodiversity, mm. and there are different um, strategies of being, of being able to do that. One of the... Um, research aspects in my um, environment is to actually um, develop propagation tools using tissue culture, mm -hmm. which is a method of growing plants in little bottles Yes, um, where you provide all the nutrients that they need and, um, and, and then you can grow them at mass and then this allows you then to be able to um, make sure that you can reintroduce these in the wild if needed be or preserve those um, for future generations. I, I know that cloning is also another method where you can try and assist to bring back a specific species that you think is, is dying off um, in, in, in a very sophisticated way. The, these are very technologically advanced methods where as ordinary South Africans, we can't necessarily be a part of? Um, well, the one wonderful thing about becoming a part of, of something like this, yeah. um, you know, um, you can, you know, start off by maybe growing um, plants that might be facing extinction at home and actually setting up local home gardens. I mean, that's that's the most simplest uh, way. Um, I'm thinking of plants that are actually extinct in the wild already, such as Siphonochylus, which is wild ginger. Mm -hmm. That's something that's used um, as a traditional medicine. And, um, you know, trying to set up, you know, home gardens is, is one step. Um, and then... Um, Entering into a, into the biological sciences and studying botany, um, <laughs> where you can actually learn these tools and techniques, um, is also a wonderful way of um, of contributing towards this. And um, there are also certain uh, companies uh, that have been started up to propagate, um, you know, yes. plants are using tissue culture based uh, cloning techniques. For some, going back to indigenous knowledge systems, for some plants and those who are in the know, it, it's not that simple to say, well, you know, we want to grow these plants because we, we've run out of them in the wild. Others would tell you, well, plant X or tree X is never to be planted within a homestead, for instance, for all sorts of reasons that are indigenous knowledge system reasons. And so how do you strike that balance where those in the know would say, listen, 
We depend on it to grow in the wild. We cannot bring into the homestead. There are reasons for that. Um, and that they have to continue harvesting in the wild. Correct. Is that where, we go- yeah, yeah. Is that where we're going with yeah, this? Yeah. Um, you know, that's very valid um, because these kinds of um, notions that we have to be reliant on wild material um, is 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 definitely something that is out there. Mm. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, nowadays we are in a situation where wild harvesting in some areas is actually occurring at really high rates. Mm. And this is due to several reasons. Um, one of these being that for some time the practice of the use of traditional medicines was actually outlawed um, mm. pre-1994. And so people went out into the bush and got as much as they could because they were very scared of, obviously, of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're going to go there, you're going to take the risk, you're going to take as much as you can. And then this ends up actually not flowing in the same philosophical practices of our um, ancestors where they were actually much more conservative in the ways in which they used to harvest Mm -hmm. certain plants. Mm -hmm. Um, So in some ways, urbanization, modernization, and our contemporary lifestyles also um, exacerbate the pressures on wild populations. Um, And you can also think about collectors who might have to collect in a very specific area, but the material is going to another area, and so accessibility there is also limited. So it's not like, you know, my grandmother who would walk from her house and walk a few kilometers into the felt Mm. and collect something just for home use. Mm. Now this has also become big business. Yeah. Um, and so it it makes the situation very complicated. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get it. There are so many complexities towards... I'm going to ask that you come back. I'm going to ask that you come back and we expand a bit more. We didn't even touch on the stevia plant that you are so passionate about and many others. I know that you're also a part of a, another forum that does a lot of work in this space. We're going to ask you to come back. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us this afternoon. That is Professor Nokwanda Nox Makunga, who's a professor of bi- biotechnology at Stellenbosch University. Apologies, Utsile. It's just gone 2 o'clock. Let's go to Utsile for the latest in SABC News.